called? I'm called the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Thank you for joining me. I'm honored that you're here. Thank you for five years of support or whenever you joined in however many episodes or if you're just joining the Bizzle cast, no matter what. I appreciate it beyond measure, beyond compare, um, and I'm thrilled that you are here, and this is going to be an unbelievable ride. We're going to burn, and let's get this baby rolling, as they say. So here comes the countdown. This is the first uh, long series I've done in a while, so hopefully uh, I... uh, don't screw up because I've got multiple computers and my iPad going. So, okay. Let's see. Am I aligned here? Yeah. Okay. Hide the favorites bar. Turn down uh, my laptop. Turn up my HD monitor. Episode 1. Season 1 of The Expanse. 4K UHD. Dulcinea or Dulcinea. And, uh, wow. This is going to be something. So, Countdown starting now. Three, two, one, and play. And one, two, three, four, five. Awesome opening music. Thomas Jane, Stephen Strait, as Holden, Cass Anvar, my favorite, Alex Kamal. Look at this. Just gorgeous. Dominique Tipper as Naomi, who gets better and better, as they all do. Wes Janum as the psychotic but lovable Amos. Some characters who don't make it through the first season. Some do, some don't. Already looking beautiful with the uh, graphics here. In the just all-time great Shore Agadashlu as Christian Avasarala dropping the F-bombs and trying to save the universe. Here we go. The Expanse. Glorious. So if you read the books or not, it's going to be a different experience. In the 23rd century, humans have colonized the solar system. The UN controls Earth. Earth appears to be the most powerful. Mars independent military power. Fewer ships and people, but very great technology. Inner planets depend on the resources of the asteroid belt. The Belters live and work in space. They're the underclass. The belt, air, and water are more precious than gold. This is a really great intro text. For decades, tensions have been rising. Earth, Mars, and the belt are now in the brink of war. And uh, as you imagine, it's about to happen. Going to take a single spark, and we'll see how many minutes. Okay, here we go. This is exactly how the book starts with with Julie Mao, who we don't know who the hell she is and what's going on. She's trapped in this ship. We don't know why she's hiding. We don't know why it's scary. I don't know if we see that she's infected yet. Prepare to fire. They're murdering everyone in the ship. And uh, especially with season one, they really hit beat for beat the major plot and character points. She's knocking. This actress is great. Florence Favre. And the Mao's in general, the family Mao's, there are numerous ones, and they serve all sorts of purposes as the series goes on, even beyond season four, but I'm not going to go there. So, you know, doing below 
gravity or in the float as they say zero gravity is so hard to do i don't know how they got the budget to do it and when they burn you know they're in these couches and they get injected with you know chemicals to go at like six times gravity we're gonna see that soon this sense of uh of of fright and uh uh being trapped is it really comes through in the first um in sort of the prologue of the book oh, yep magnetic boots what's julie gonna do uh the scopuli yep that's the the thing that starts it all soon our main characters are gonna end up here and shit hits fan quickly julie's being careful Julie Mao is extremely smart. She's rebellious. She's independent. She comes from a very rich family, but she rebels to try and go out to the belt, as we will see some of the humans get a sort of uh, messiah complex to help the the, the poor, um, you know, underclass of the belt. Can I put this in full screen without screwing everything up? Please don't screw everything up. Please don't screw everything up. All right. Have we... Oh, there it is, the blue. The blue, that's the proto-molecule. And, you know, it's a great mystery. Uh, And again, this is the first tease that's not a spoiler. This disgusting, scary, disease proto-molecule thing gets more and more complicated and powerful and wide-ranging with each book. But they build it slowly. Here we go. Series was once covered in ice. I'll let you guys listen or, or read. So it's extremely important that the belters are resentful because they provide so many of the natural resources from asteroids, rock, uh, minerals, water, ice, even growing food, building st- build stations, but they're very much treated as second and third class citizens. Uh, they're, they're called skinnies, which is hard. You know, In the book, they can be skinny and seven feet tall, which is what happens when you grow up in zero G. So they're starting the revolutionary talk right away. This takes a little longer to build up. In the books, there's the drones. Orth will go to war to take it back. Uh, the Belters are mostly resentful early on in the series. They said in the intro here about war, but the, the initial war in the books, as we'll see uh, here, is really between Mars, or on the surface, between Mars and uh, Earth, uh, but the Belters are, you know, on the verge of exploding with hate and resentment and desire to be treated as equals. So, you know, uh, one of the many things that took a while for me to get on board with, and now I love, especially because Jefferson Mays, who does the audiobooks, is spectacular at it, is the Patois, which is sort of a mix of uh, you know, French Creole, some African stuff, some South American stuff, some South Indian stuff, which uh, makes sense in terms of being a different culture, but also makes sense. Here's Miller. Um, 
Uh, which makes sense because, you know, and you see all the people of color here because, you know, it, it, they very much represent, you know, the quote unquote third world or developing worlds um, in, uh, in our own existence here on the delicate planet Earth. So, as I talk about it in the Deets podcast, one of the many brilliant, uh, oh God, here we go. We're starting to see the murders. We'll see Miller. He's, he, he's, you know, losing it. He wants to be a good investigator, broken marriage. Um, and as we'll see, he's a broken man and he gets obsessed with Julie Mao in a way that's, you know, never fully explained. Um, at least initially up oh, there, it is the long arm, the long skinny arms and fingers. They, they really do it. You know, they can't do it with the main actors, but these side actors they cast because, you know, in zero G, you know, you don't have gravity pushing down on you. And so you, you, you would grow tall, um, and, and long, um, Mars is sort of in the middle having, you know, sort of, uh, half gravity, but they train hard so that they can function in earth gravity because Mars is always on the brink of wanting to invade earth, but they also train in zero G as we'll see with the Marines, Bobby Draper in season two, because they also have designs on invading the belters. Let's deal with the hat. That's Miller's look. Keeps the rain off my hand. <laughs> no rain in the belt, of course. Um, so when, one of the brilliant things that the writers do in the books is every chapter is named with just the first or last name um, of the character whose perspective it's from. And in the first book, because we, we need to meet the two main characters um, who don't come together for a while. Um, and again, those was one of the confusing things the first time through. Um, but in the, in the first book... Uh, uh, Leviathan wakes. It's it's Miller and Holden who's going to end up being the, the the captain of the people who survive <laughs> the uh, uh, giant exp- uh, ship disaster that's blown up by a stealth Martian ship that's coming up. So it goes Holden Miller, Holden Miller. Uh, but as the series goes on and we meet more characters, we, we get more perspectives and. You know, it's hard enough to have different voices as writers for your different characters, but it's so gutsy. Um, but if you can pull it off where you, you name the chapter after the character and you get in their brains and, uh, I can't think of any characters, even the sort of my, minor side characters, good guy or bad guys or middle middling, um, you know, here in this, I mean, the, uh, let me finish that thought. They, they never don't have unique voices for their characters um, in the books, and that's one of the joys of uh, of reading the books. Um, but but they nail it here um, with spending time with with the main characters. Thomas Jane is you know considered you know kind of a quirky character actor, uh, but to me he's in the sort of John Bernthal category of below the radar, but has a plus chops when he gets the right role and there's a dangerous and almost scary intensity to them. They could always blow up. So in the book, uh, Havelcheck, I believe his name is, is his sidekick, his partner, and he's an, he's an earther. And so he's never accepted. You can already see he's not really happy. Miller really likes him. He's not the best investigator, but he's a good guy. Havelcheck. 
and it's a great device. This is the leader of of the police force, and things get so out of control on these stations because you know they're poor and they're always on the brink of starvation. Uh, you know they're in the middle of space; things could explode. They're in vacuums, um, and so they have to like inject drugs and gas at times into parts of the stations to calm people down because you know. It doesn't matter how long, and they may have spent 300 years getting used to living in these space stations in the moons of Jupiter and Saturn, I should say. Uh, it's a combination of those. Here's Julie Mao, and they're introducing this case. Uh, she tries to make it seem like it's really important. Lost daughter case for a rich person. We find out, you know, that th- this is actually, you know, being funded privately. She's trying to sell it to Miller like, you're my guy. You're one of my best investigators, so I'm putting you on this. But they really want to bury the case. And Miller, you know, while he's already looking kind of, you know, detective you know, Sherlock Holmesy here. He's actually really losing it, as we'll see. And they want to bury the case. You can see it in her eyes there. Julie Mao. Right, so they're on series. Um, There's Tycho, which is another major station. This is brilliant. Okay, so the Canterbury... Okay, so again, it goes to Holden, who ends up being Captain America. Uh, It it takes a little while for him to take that role. Um, But the fact that they're playing this, you know, really upbeat music, and now we're seeing the Earthers with their high-tech UN ships being awesome and having awesome technology. Uh, This is called an ice hauler um, because, you know, there's 30 billion people on Earth and there's not enough water. So they, you know, grab ice from asteroids and with all the happy music boom this is what happens in space did he lose an arm yep there goes the arm and they're still playing the upbeat music this was an inspired choice holden is a ladies man um but oh this is awesome they're having sex in zero g now what happened was they had to you know hide the nudity and the fucks and so forth and sci-fi a little bit but once amazon got it they went back took the initial footage the original footage and the original dialogue and they put it back in all the fucks and the nudity and so forth so it could be like true you know rated r mature television holden's a ladies man but we see as he starts crushing on naomi and turns out that he's been crushing on naomi that these are all very empty relationships he likes all these women he's not a bad guy but it actually ends up hurting the women because they fall for him and he, he's great at pretending that he really likes them sleeps with a lot of women which is part of why it takes a, a bit of time for Naomi um, who's a belter who's on the ship to uh, come t- to him um, and they of course end up together being the lead female and the lead male um, and he's not a miserable guy. He's just kind of superficial when it comes to sex, and he hasn't really thought it through, and he's never been in love before. He's he's young. Um, you know, they live much longer because they have anti-aging drugs, and, so, and there's sort of age jumps, especially in the books, but he's still a young guy here. And, you know, I think we can all relate to a certain degree. It takes a while before we understand what love is in relationships. Holden loves coffee. And there's so many human touches. There, you know, as it, far f- future, yeah, I think it's three, four hundred years in the future. There are certain things that will never ever leave 
uh, the uh, the addictions and you know weird passions and guilty pleasures. Here's Naomi, um, who should be very tall and skinny because she's a belter. But you got to cast for the actress and the charisma and the and the chemistry. And uh, Dominique Tripper is great. West Chatham just seems he looks like Chief Tyrrell, as many people have commented from Battlestar, but he's a very different character, even though they both have tempers. Turns out to be quite the murderer and assassin with a very dark past. Um, and But he ends up being loyal to an extreme degree to these two and their pilot, who ends up being their pilot, Alex um, Kamal after this ship, spoiler alert, blows up in a little bit and only a few of them survive. Okay, so you have an Indian guy with a Texan accent. This is a problem for people, at least at first. I have no idea why this is a problem. Everything from the Alien movies to the StarCraft games to Firefly, when on the frontier, they talk in Western accents, but they actually explain it in the books that the certain areas of Mars are settled by South Indians, but also a bunch of Texans. Because they, for very different reasons, wanted to go to the frontier in Mars when they first started terraforming Mars. And it's a bit of a... Um, as we'll see, it's, he puts on the the, um, the character, not the actor, the character of, of Kamal. Uh, it, it's sort of... Um, not faking, but he sort of exaggerates the southern accent. They talk about when shit goes really south in the conflicts. He he, he tones down the accent a little bit, but he is you know he he is the the the, the chill southern guy, and he's going to be the guy that has the most trouble in the beginning dealing with how horrible things get because he's just a pilot from Mars. Um, but even if they didn't explain away the Texan thing as, you know, having a community where, you know, Indians and Texans were living together. And so it sort of spills over back and forth with the accents, blah, 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 blah. It still totally works for me because all of these space Western shows have it, whatever. Kamal is my favorite character. Um, and, uh, I'm going to talk about why, um, that's it. it, it partially has to do with the actor Cass Anvar who is clearly especially in the early seasons in my opinion the best of the four actors um, he seems the most experienced the most confident whoa I forget who this guy is um, and so Cass Anvar really has to carry things but he he's the heart of the crew even when the crew changes a bit um, and, and you know there's some people that come in and out he's always the pilot of the Rosinante which they're going to come to soon and uh, this guy's losing it um, and Kamal is, is always the heart of the crew you know he gets the most scared but when he's in that pilot seat he is focused as hell he ruins marriages he loses his ki- relationships with kids because he can't stop piloting but he loves his crewmates and so he sucks it up he gets braver and bolder over time but he's always the one that m- makes sure they don't go o- over the edge or try not to go over the edge into being amoral or immoral uh, uh, folks so uh, holden i don't 
he's XO, okay, which is second in command, like like Ty, uh, One Eyed Ty, and, and Battlestar. Um, now Alex Kamal, the Texan Indian, uh, served twenty honorable years in the Martian uh, uh, Navy um, as a pilot. That's why he's so good and experienced and a bit older. Holden was dishonorably discharged. Up oh, there's Avasala, Avasarala. I can't pronounce it. Christian Avasarala, played by. Um, Shore Agadashli, who's amazing. She was in a Star Trek movie. She does voices in, in Mass Effect. She, it's an incredible voice presence, charisma, and is hilarious. And, you know, just... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to her. You can't have the show without Miller in the first season, and you couldn't have the show without Shore Agadashlu as Christian throughout. It's going to take a little while before they cross paths. But... Holden, like when Captain America has no problem leaving S.H.I.E.L.D. when he realizes it's Hydra, uh, Holden has a rebellious complex where he can't help but tell the truth, and he's he has no filter, and he causes lots of problems, at least on the surface, having no filter, telling everyone everything when it can actually make things blow up in inconvenient ways. And he actually is very proud of his dishonorable discharge, which we don't really ever hear, as far as I know, even in the books, what exactly happened with the dishonorable discharge. I think he just uh, thought that, that you know it was a bit fascistic, uh, as militaries can get, um, especially in these future scenarios, and got tired of taking orders that he didn't agree with and like. Um, and they kicked him out of the military, which he's very proud of, the UN military, the Earth military. And now he's on the raggedy edge, as they say in Firefly, as the XO, the number two of the Cant. Even though he's young, they mostly respect him because he has great leadership and charisma qualities. And uh, he's still got a lot to learn, though. Captain gave an order, people. So, okay, so Stephen Strait, with a little bit of Southern accent here as well, which is not the case in the books, uh, Cass, I love Cass Anvar as Kamal, he's so good, um, they, you know, at least on first watching in the early seasons, they played Stephen Strait kind of straight, um, you know, like Oliver Queen and Arrow or whatever, a little... A little too, um, you know, uh, emotionless or something. Uh, in the book, he's a lot looser, and we get into his emotional side faster. But with this relationship here, um, with this great side performance by Kristen Hager, who plays Ade something, who unfortunately is not long to live, as most of these people not long for life. What's the saying? All good things, yep. There's a very... The writing style is very direct and straightforward. They don't use a lot of big words, even with the science techno babble, which, again, they don't overdo in the books. It's a very straightforward writing, but the character... Uh, um, beats and getting into their head is extremely profound at times and there's a deep wisdom uh and 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 the storytelling and in the writing and they don't do it through long exposition they do it through dialogue and through the thoughts of the characters 
as we uh, 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 I was sort of saying before, we get increasingly uh, into the heads of more and more characters as the books go on. It's Miller and Holden uh, in book one here because you know they're the catalysts of the major events of the first year se- of the of the first season. Um, but eventually, we get Amos and Alex and Naomi and a bunch of bad guys. And uh, Christiana Sorala, uh, um, the f bomb dropping uh, past middle age Indian woman with the beautiful saris who moves up the ranks and is really the one who should be running things on Earth, and of course ends up being the one to run things on Earth when you know the people in charge are exposed for being horrible, and they realize her leadership is needed. We will get there. Unknown distress. So this is a really cool idea, which is, even though these guys, this is a a legal operation, they're shipping, you know, ice for water. Uh, This is totally above board, but there's a rule, uh, at least among the the UN, you know, Earther ships, uh, if you log a true distress signal and you're within a certain range, it's, it's not a law but it's it's you know it's de facto custom to the point of almost being law that you must respond even if it seems like imminent danger which they're already sensing so he's going to log this and they might argue over whether they should go oh there's julie please help me right so this is this is clear and present danger this isn't just hey we blew an engine out can you help us please help me so what's cool is they're the ones to come across the Julie Mao situation, but Miller's the one who's investigating it and gets obsessed. Okay, so Amasarala, I don't believe it comes in until uh, this, this is in the book, the, the, the grandchildren who she has a love-hate thing with as, it, as she gets more bitter, but at this point, when she's like the assistant to the assistant to the assistant, um... Oh, they do. They do switch her husband. That's interesting. That they do have a character change. Interesting. This guy is very cool, but the uh, the the second version of her husband, who's who's you know character wise the same guy, um, who has actually an American accent, even though he's Indian, is a bit more subtle and, and works better as shit gets shittier. Um, as the seasons go on. She's not in the first season, but you had to introduce her. She's, you know, she's the fifth. You know, you've got the four of the Rosinanti crew who we're going to see. She's number five of the mains. And then Bobby Draper, the Martian Marine, who very quickly gets traumatized fighting a giant blue uh, uh, alien who murders all her friends. She pretty quickly gets alienated from being a Marine, even though she takes great pride. That She doesn't get introduced till season two, which was smart. But Amasarala, politically, is so clutch through all eight books. Um, oh, man, look at the belter. They're torturing this poor guy. Um, you, you had to get her in the first season. But the water balloon thing is the book. And you think... You know, in the book at that point, she, she's been pretty much a hard ass, and you think she's just going to yell at the kid throwing the water balloon in the house, but of course, you know, she's, you know, the, the apocalypse hasn't even uh, crossed their minds yet, so she's still loose with her, her uh, grandchildren, who she does love, but she gets alienated from, because she just doesn't have time for them when, when she's in charge. 
she does not hate belters at all. Her main thing is, you know, as angry and crass and curse-filled as she can be, and condescending and even mean, at least on the surface... She's the one who tries to reconcile with Mars in particular, but also the Belters. And they make her a bit darker here early on. Oh, here's... Okay, so here's Julie Mao being an activist. So she's the rich girl who who said, you know, who, who rebels against her, her wealth and privilege and comes out to the Belters, you know, just like, you know, Americans who go to Africa and South America, usually with good intentions to help out people who are in need. Here we see the the sickness. You know, they're uh, like again the raggedy edge. Uh, there's gas. There's leaks. You know, uh, it, I mean, if, if an asteroid or even a piece of a meteorite hits the wrong way, you know, you get hundreds of people sucked out of the station. Don't try. Oh, this is interesting uh, choice. So in the book, his his uh, Earther sidekick, um, their buddies. No one else likes him. Miller likes him, um, but Havelchuk has been working with Miller for a couple of years, but he's still not accepted. Here, they're making him a, a rookie, uh, which again, introducing so many characters in this in this universe, it it it, it makes total sense that they would. Um, uh, not necessarily accelerate things, uh, but you know, introduce characters at different points in their lives in the storytelling than in the books. Is there a problem? XO acting XO. Uh, uh, I think he's actually XO in the book. So that crazy guy who they to put on the stretcher, I guess, is the real XO. I could be wrong about that. He might be third in command in the book as well. Until now. 50,000 clicks series, right? The crash couches. One of the coolest things is they really thought through what it would be like to go three, four, five, six G's. They would have to be strapped down and they're injected with juice as they call it to make sure that their veins don't explode and their brains melt. So these, this is Holden, logged to discuss call, right. So Holden here, we're already seeing the righteous, uh, might say self-righteous to the righteous side of Holden. He's like, you know, pushing to, to, to do what, what tradition says, um, which is especially when you hear, you know, very, uh, distressing distress calls, as we saw from Julian Matt, you, you got to help. They're within 50,000 clicks. Here we go. Do we see the burn? Here comes, here comes the burn. They're injected with the juice. They're strapped down. Oh, the mouth guards is an interesting touch. I don't know if they have that in the books. How far in are we? Oh, man, we're already two-thirds in. Look at this. I mean, sci-fi never had a budget, never gave a budget until a show like this. And they just didn't have faith and belief. So short-sighted. Thank you, Amazon Prime, for saving this cast and this crew and this, you know, all-time great science fiction property. I'll stop with the generalizations for a while. Look how... Oh, man. I mean, this is so many waves and steps beyond Battlestar. You know, 10 plus years later. 
just you just can do it. You just can do it in space. I mean, George Lucas mastered it with Empire and especially Return of the Jedi many decades ago. But in general, it's not until the last five or ten years they've really nailed space. Even the Avengers and the Marvel stuff where there's a lot of, you know, mixed uh, good and bad with the special effects at times. But when you have the big Avengers and Thanos' fleet or whatever, uh, it, it you know, in in Avengers One, the Chitari don't look very good. But by the time we get to the last couple of Avengers movies with the giant space fleets and Guardians of the Galaxy, everything is starting to look awesome in space and movies. Star Wars is still nailing it, even when it's shit like Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, guys. Still thinks he's grooming me. Yep, that's true. That's true. I mean, the Captain Hampton's almost happy that the crazy Exo's gone because he loves Holden and the charisma's there. Your girlfriend logged that distress call. Mm. Yes, they're not happy about logging the distress call. They don't want to go. They want to ignore uh, the the tradition. Look, they're already sharing looks. He's totally in love with her. They've known each other for five years, and she has had to think for him. I'd keep that to myself, are you? Did he just express his feelings already? Oh, look. Steven Strait's a great actor. Now, all of the actors, including Sharhan Gadashlu, who's like 65, are very active on social media and Twitter, and the fans love him, and they love the fans. Steven Strait is, is a, a mysterious fellow who you don't see much except in the promos. And uh, his subtle acting... Oh, man, look at this. So, again, uh, you know, full disclosure, you know, three times through eight books, knowing these characters, I, I may be seeing things that I should have seen before. I may be reading into it. I leave it to you. Thank you, Canterbury. Godspeed. So Holden can be a hothead. He can be self-righteous. He can be, you know, have a self-inflated self-importance. But in the end, people follow him because he can't help but do what he thinks is the right thing. And that's the journey in the early parts of the first season. God, Thomas Jane is so good. So, okay. So, I am going to talk about stuff that happens in seasons two, three, and four, which is Thomas Jane. So, part of the weirdness is book one, they, they extend until, I believe, episode six of season two, which is not a, necessarily a bad idea. Is he going to punch this motherfucker? Um, it's not necessarily a bad idea because the first book, Leviathan Wakes, has to set up so much and they got to do it in the series. But then they ended up in a situation where, like, mid-season two to season three was book two, and then they sort of fudged season three, which is actually an amazing book. Um, Abaddon's Gate, and that was the weakest translation, and then they finally did the right thing and made season four, book four, and lined it right up. There's Julie. Juliet. She has like a she has like a million middle names as rich girls and boys tend to. There it is, Juliet Andromeda Mao. Not a coincidence, caller Andromeda. You know, being the you know nearest major possibly habitable galaxy, because she she left home to explore the unknown, bang every space bucker I could find. Who's this woman? Okay, so right, so the woman who runs the the security force who's pretending to 
you know, pump up Miller and be like, you're my guy, this is an important case, really wants to bury it. He doesn't realize. And that's part of his journey. The two big things is he doesn't realize how far gone he is psychologically because he's in denial. And he doesn't realize after all these years that his younger but much smarter boss is using him and kind of throwing him away. Um, which leads to his desire for death, but also to, to you know, if you can just save Julie Mao, you know, that's a major theme is, and it's often misguided. We see it with Amos. We see it with other characters. They think they're lost. They're terrible people. If they could just save this person or these people, they can somehow be redeemed. And that's, I guess what informs, um, uh, the Julie Mao obsession with, with Miller, detective Miller with that Thomas Jane. No, right. Right, they're pushing already to say, fuck this, let's go back. Kamal, in the book, is the one to say, we gotta do this, because he's the pilot, I think. Let's see what happens. Take us in. Alex, there's something nasty. Right, so they're they're saying, we're gonna check it out. Good plan, Haas. Haas, okay, so that's a Texan thing I didn't know. I've heard people say Haas. So Haas is actually a Texan uh, take on horse, which you might think is an insult, but it actually is a name for the boss. It, it, it's it's a compliment for the big boss that you respect and like. So he calls Holden Haas. There's Naomi. So he's been in love with Naomi, and we'll see. And she's had to think for him on very different levels. Um, but I'll wait on that till they start talking about it. So again with very little excess with the techno babble and with mostly being inside the heads of the characters whose names uh, are given to the chapters. So this is a Holden chapter. Like I said, it's all Miller and Holden chapters in the first book. This is a Holden chapter. So we'd be inside his head about what's going on. They really sell the scariness of this situation uh, and, and, you know the, the the how just epically uh, frightening space is, and they have to you know force themselves to be in denial about how epically frightening space is to do this stuff. Um, you know, it, it is it is conveyed through thought and dialogue in the book, and one thing you can do in the show is atmospheric photography. Uh, the photography in the first couple seasons is awesome. Uh, part of the problem, uh, which we'll get to much later in parts of season two and three, is they start doing the spinny camera thing, which I hate, like the CW and network television. But here they're doing, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey mixed with sci-fi horror, mixed with like Moon with Sam Rockwell, you know, the, the sort of bizarre and uh, and scary sci-fi um, classics. Um, with, with the with cinematography, is that just a helmet floating? I'm I'm scared. I mean, I've seen this once, and I've read this two or three times. I'm scared as hell. So I'm drinking coffee at two thirty in the morning, guys. So I can bring this to you. See how many episodes I can get through. I can't believe we're almost done. 
This was the perfect way to end it, though, of course. I mean, it's, and that's the other thing about it is, you know, I'm always talk with, with guys like Joss Whedon, as circuitous and, and, and weird as guys like Whedon, um, and the best directors uh, can be, at least on the surface. Ultimately, for the important character and world building stuff, it's about the straightest line between two points. And they, in the books, you know certain lines are coming. You know, in every book, they talk about how all, over and over again, we're going to die, it's all over. Over and over again, we're going to die, it's all over. And you know they're not all going to die. At least not all of them. But you earn it. You earn the survival. And the straightest point, straightest line between two points in this one, I think they blow up the cant. Or did they discover Julie and they blow up the cant? The Canterbury, their their mothership they came from in the second episode, I can't remember. A1 type beam from the Canterbury. Nope, they're going to get blasted. Oh, man. Oh, they're not on the scopuli. They're on something else? So, you know, this is normal life. One of the cool things about the Belters is because they live on moons and space stations in low G, they're they're the best at at being in the float, as they say. Either low or zero G. Here it goes. Strapping in. Going on the burn. Oh, yeah. Cass Anvar killing it as the pilot. I'll be referring to them mixed character and actors' names. That's just a thing if you're new to the Bizzlecast I do because I'm an actor-centric guy. And I, I, even when I was dissatisfied with the show, I never blame the actors. I always think when shows aren't living to potential that it's... Uh, that the actors are, the, are better than you know the material. It's usually the writers or the showrunners. Okay, so now we're back with Miller. More thinner to the mix. Is that part of the drugging the population? So they don't go crazy? That's a cute kid. Here's the humanism. Here's the humanism. He's angry. He's bitter. He's kind of a drunk. He's totally lost. He has no idea how much he's being used and manipulated. But takes the time to admire the beauty of an adorable kid and a bird in a cage i don't think is i think is pretty clear symbolism here here be, so this is what's great so they try and bury the case with miller who's way past his prime but he almost he just has a feeling that it's actually an important case and he ends up getting fired and going, you know, freelance to solve the Julie Mao case. And if he doesn't, then it would have been all over by the end of this first season. I mean, Miller is is the hero of the first season as much as the kids of the Rosinante. So, the you know, the sort of constant... Uh, either surface or just straight up oh man is he he's airlocking this criminal this is what they do i mean they ha- they they have no choice they have nowhere else to put them or is he getting recycled his body some people they throw out the airlock when people die naturally they their bodies get recycled like uh 
you know, like Soylent Green, but they agree to it. Aaron's good. Yeah, they couldn't have Thomas Jane as Miller. Let's see what he does. Does he kill this guy? Keep those filters. Yeah, they they couldn't. They had to make Miller somewhat likable and sympathetic in this first one. Here we go. This music's amazing. So, you know, like Hans Zimmer, Clinton Shorter's soundtracks through three, four seasons, it's basically one long track with variations on the same exact theme, but I actually love that style when it matches and makes you, gives you the feels. 6,000 clicks, five. Uh, there's his family that he's estranged from. They're all scared. Oh, the torpedo's not aimed at them. I totally forgot that. Oh, man. The Canterbury. Oh, man. Oh, no. Here, it's all over. So, I believe his girlfriend's killed with them in the book and not on the can. No. No. Wrong. I I was wrong. No, she dies. Yeah, he talks to her as she dies. Oh, man. Oh, no. Prisoner release. It's over. Oh, dude. They got nuked. They got nuked by a stealth Martian ship. And <laughs> James Holden is going to announce this to the entire galaxy. And and the almost war goes to straight war between Mars and Earth. Because of Holden. He gets blamed for it. But he's just... He's preaching the truth. That's it. That's it. That's how it starts. That's like chapter five. It's like the third Holden chapter of the first book. It's over. They're all dead. Now they're stranded. She's gone. So he's mourning for his girlfriend, but he's really mourning for all of them. And they were just being intimate, you know? That was that was clutch. They nuked her. He he's saying her, but he, he means the can't. She's gone. Oh, I, maybe he's talking about the Canterbury the whole time by saying she's gone. Yeah, he's saying both. The, the lady friend and the Canterbury. And now, they're in a tiny ship in the middle of nowhere. And here comes... Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. All right. Well, I'm still I'm still getting revved up here. And I got a lot of introduc- introductory stuff to do. Uh, so stick with me. As I relive the great, great, great first book slash season, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, all of this production is just going to to, to uh, reach new levels in terms of the show. I hope I continue to reach uh, uh, reach new levels, and uh, I have forty seven more episodes to do so. I've done a lot of TV shows and a whole lot of movies, um, but having not seen this in a while. Um, they, I mean, um, it wasn't beat for beat with the first five or six chapters of the book, um, but the main introductory stuff with the characters in, in the early world building just absolutely nailed the loyalty and feel of the book. Hope you enjoyed episode one, season one of The Expanse. Please uh, join me uh, for the rest of this big epic 
massive journey that I can't wait to share and do with you people. Episode two is next. I believe it's called, what's it called? The Big Empty. Big Empty. Is that a Stone Temple Pilot song? Um, the, the chapter, uh, names of, or the chapter names, the episode names of the, um, uh, of the show are, you know, not necessarily a correlation with the books, which again, are all named after the characters whose perspective each chapter is from. And then they name the final, you know, episode, um, of each season after, after the book as a sort of a tribute, even if it, you know, doesn't really align with, with where the book, uh, is at that point. So, okay. I promise I went into a long outro after that epic intro next time. And for all 47, uh, coming episodes, we're going to go right into the countdown. Can't wait to keep going. We're just getting on the burn here, giving us the juice. Um, and the G-forces uh, are, are just getting started. So for now, be safe, be healthy. May the force be with you. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.